Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments. Hello and welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. And this week we're keeping it brief again with Will and I discussing the latest goings on in the world economy and investment markets as we head into 2022. And so whilst we've been having our fill of Brussels sprouts, the story has been yet more all-time highs for stock markets, rounding off what I think has probably been a pretty incredible year for investors in perceived riskier assets. And I suppose, well, given the headlines and the continued disruption to everyone's lives in yet another stress-filled year in 2021, this may seem pretty difficult to reconcile for, for a lot of investors. And so, well, you know, opening up with two questions for you. Firstly, why a stock market so buoyant with the Omicron sweeping the world? And even closer, I know, to your heart uh, and a bit of fun, how can England cricket have been so humiliated down under uh, over Christmas? <laughs> well, Phil, I know you and I share this interest. So, yeah, it, the cricket was particularly bleak, wasn't it? Actually, I don't know about you, but I caved in and forked out for BT Sport literally on the night of the final collapse, which <laughs> in-laws have been giving me plenty of needle about, so I'm sure you can imagine. But yeah, on market, yeah, there hasn't been too much of a response to Omicron in spite of the fact that this latest variant um, is spreading around the world at a frankly breathtaking pace. There are a couple of points to bear in mind, and you and I have discussed this uh, you know, a few times, and those points haven't really changed that much. So hopefully this will be familiar to our, to our regular listeners. But on, on the disease burden that could be associated with this latest wave, we have got a bit more evidence in now, and that, that extra transmissibility you know, is potentially worrying. But there may be some offset from uh, the growing impression that this latest variant may come with less severe disease. Now, alongside this, uh, there is evidence that the current crop of vaccines do provide substantial and quite long-lasting protection from severe disease and hospitalisation. Uh, and that's thanks to the priming of the killer T-cells, you know, this kind of cellular uh, secret police. Uh, also, I'm told from real experts, I can't claim that in the, on epidemiology, obviously. Uh, neither of us can. But uh, the second point is that just as we are, you know, we have built resilience, so has the economy, uh, working from home capability is better understood, less unfamiliar, and, and risk appetite appears to be more resilient amongst uh, you know the population, so on and so on. So, so we're a long, long way from February, March 2020. Uh, and finally, uh, and I think this is particularly important context to remember for, you know, for investors with regards to all blips in short term economic activity. That is that, you know, what you own, what you buy when you buy a share, or you own a share, you continue to own a share or a group of shares or group of companies. You own all of that country uh, companies or, or a stake in that company's future cash flows, not just this year's, not just next year's, but all of those future potential cash flows, uh, or at least the market's collective estimation of them. Now, that means that you have to shift quite a big blow to current activity for it to really register in, in, in share price terms. And at the moment, Omicron is not seen as creating a big enough economic mess in the short term to show up in amongst all of those prospective um, you know, cash flows, certainly from a, a share price perspective. Other types of asset markets will price it differently, but that's what we're seeing in the, in the stock market terms. 
Quite. And I mean, you mentioned that slightly more benign investor interpretation, you know, of, of Omicron and, and sort of wider concerns that, that investors might have. You mentioned some of that in Monthly Market Insights that we did a couple of weeks back. But I guess, you know, there are, of course, still ways in which Omicron could substantially alter the outlook for the year ahead in a more negative way. And for one, you know, this is surely going to present quite a significant, even a massive challenge to China and her zero COVID strategy. And inevitably, I suppose, you know, parts of the global economy that are reliant on China for the supply of goods. Are they fair assumptions? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly one of the ways that you described that, that Omicron could be could sustain distortions in the global economy. You know, however, again, I guess you'd need to show how that would stick. You can argue that the longer these price distortions continue, the more they will be, you know, become embedded in our collective conscious, and and that's certainly, you know, definitely something uh, something to watch. But for the moment, you know, I think that the thing that I'll point out with regards to China, though, or that we were talking about, you know, you and I again have discussed this, and the team have sort of focused on this a lot this last year. That the year ahead is a huge, huge year for China. The fact that Xi Jinping is expected to, you know, break with decades of precedent and extend his time at the top this year. Uh, will ensure the spotlight one suspects but you know meanwhile china's giant and in some parts quite wobbly property sector will remain a source of you know considerable policy challenge and in amongst this you know the very transmissible variant that's going to test the policymakers ability to keep covid you know locked down as it has uh, had they, as they have successfully for much of the last uh, two years so uh, the year ahead looks very challenging and, and certainly you know china is going to be something we're going to be watching very closely both from a sort of supply chain and more direct uh, perspective and i guess the handling of some of the challenges that we w- will invariably face in 2022 could be quite influential for elections this year. And you touched on politics there. But of course, we've also got French presidential elections, also US midterms. I can't believe that's come round again um, already. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, true, Phil. Uh, And and particularly those in the first half of the year, I guess. So, you know, French presidential elections are due on the 10th and 24th of April. I'm sure you remember, you know, the two round system in France, which has so far been, you know, pretty successful at protecting France from the kind of global lurch towards nativism and sort of populist self-harm the last couple of years. Macron is favourite to return the seat, President Macron. Currently, betting markets see the stiffest second round challenge coming from Valérie uh, Pécresse of the centre-right, if she makes it through to the second round. Marine Le Pen and uh, some kind of outright racist options remain, you know, low probability for now. In the US, there is this pretty well-established trend for a kind of strong electoral backlash in the midterms against the party in power uh, operating the seat. This time looks no different. That's what, again, betting markets are telling us. Uh, interestingly, I think, well, you know, one thing that I would note about Americans, uh, the electorate at the moment, is that, the, 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 you know, various polls are telling us that Americans feel very negative about the economy right now, in spite of, you know, uh, a more mixed picture that the data is telling us. And, and inflation may be a part of that. Now, in that context, you can argue that the timing of when inflation starts to dissipate, if it does, that could be important in deciding the kind of the scale of the electoral backlash against President Biden and the Democrats and therefore what the policy agenda looks like in the second part of President Biden's first term. 
Okay. Uh, and I mean, you mentioned inflation there. It feels like we've spent an awful lot of time <laughs> talking about inflation on this call and many other calls and written publications this year. It was probably the big surprise of 2021, of course, uh, or at least one of them. I think everyone probably saw that inflation would rise this year as a function of some of the base effects, the year on year effects and various other sort of pandemic distortions that we'd seen uh, as well. However, I suppose what surprised us and many onlookers was the stickiness of that inflation. And that was the thing that we've spent a lot of the time discussing. So really how long higher levels of inflation have stuck around. Is there, in your view and the team's view, the same risk going into 2022 in terms of that stickiness? Well, I mean, you cornered me again here, Phil. I mean, I think it's certainly true that it was one of the... You know, the stickiness was one of the big surprises of the year. I mean, look, I mean, there are no easy answers here, as I'm sure you'll, you know, you and I have discussed many times before. And, you know, as usual, you should be aware of those, you know, looking to offer such simple answers. Uh, inflation remains poorly understood, difficult to predict and all those kind of things. And if you think of the theory here, you know, prices should be set or are set by the setting of demand uh, versus supply. So if you have too much demand for a particular good relative to the available supply of one good or other, uh, the price rises of that good to incentivize more supply or less demand so that that, you know, so that an equilibrium can be relocated where demand meets supply. Now, that explains a lot of the action in prices last year, particularly in commodities, actually, kind of a location of a new equilibrium that allows uh, allows demand and supply to meet. However, you know, quite a lot of that was one off. That doesn't sort of give you repeated price increases of the type that will keep central bankers and investors awake. I think the things to continue to watch are labor markets, you know, the match between demand and supply there. So therefore, you know, what that means for wages and, you know, also you know, we've got to keep an eye on kind of measured inflation expectations. All of these are providing, you know, pretty incon- you know, inconclusive messages at the moment, um, although some areas are hotter than others. I guess the difficulty for central bankers and therefore investors is that a lot of the temporary, you know, a lot of temporary inflation, if it continues, uh, you know, you alluded to the China supply drop problems just now that could come from a micron, that could add up to something more problematic, more permanent, the longer it goes on. So, you know, one tail risk for this year could be come from inflation, you know, continuing to surprise throughout the first half of the year, which would start to put the pressure on central bankers and run the risk of focus, you know, forcing central banks into a much more draconian kind of buzzkill approach on interest rates. If the proverbial punch bowl was removed more abruptly than currently expected, uh, then the party would, uh, you know, interest rates rise more sharply. Uh, that could mean a kind of messier end to the party uh, and jar investors uh, across the um, the capital market space. But remember, and just a sort of, you know, a simple point for investors, you know, that the Inflation like this, it, it should be an encouragement to invest in assets that can do the work for you and beat inflation. I think a large part of that is stocks. We also have, uh, you know, various other assets in our multi-asset class portfolios, which we think will do well in higher inflation environments. Uh, but the important thing is to put your money to work for, for, for the long term. And that is the way that that inflation stops eating your savings like those moths have been chewing my suits and jumpers. 
<laughs> uh, quite. And finally, while I've got you on the UK, it's been a pretty unfestive period for the Prime Minister with plenty of speculation in Westminster that he may well face a leadership challenge in the year ahead and obviously ahead of um, you know, general elections that aren't really due until 2024. Any particular thoughts around that? Well, again, in the, in the interest of keeping my job for the year ahead, I'm going to say, you know, this is one for Olivia, uh, you know, a political ex- expert, obviously. But, you know, analysts will point to the May local elections as a key moment in the wake of the Shropshire North by-election loss to the Liberal Democrats. The Conservatives can, you know, struggle in May. Uh, that may kickstart a leadership contest. You know, that's what some people are speculating. We shall see. The the other one to watch, actually, potentially, just b- before we uh, leave everyone to their New Year's preparations, is is in Germany. And that there's, you know, this, this new coalition under Olaf Schulz is a fascinating prospect in many ways, you know, after so many years of the incredible Frau Merkel. You know, Christian Lindner is, has been given the finance ministry now, and he is already sounding a lot more dovish on Europe than many had expected. Uh, that could set the store for quite an interesting role in Germany in this coming, uh, from Germany in this coming cycle, a, a different sort of political persona as such, which, yeah, is, is definitely worth watching. So the only thing I'd say is, well, I hope everyone has a nice, uh, has had a nice festive period and has you know, nice stuff still to come. But also, you know, the year ahead just looks uh, another fascinating prospect for investors. So we look forward to helping to keep you informed during that period. Fantastic. Thanks as always, Will. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us once again. It leaves me to wish you all a very happy new year. And as always, we look forward to being back with you in 2022 with more Word on the Street Insights. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.